All right. Okay, well, uh, it's good to uh, sit in front of you. Uh, I can let me just say, I mean, I, I don't want to start this lesson by being controversial, but I am a fan of the whole preaching sitting down thing. And if that were uh, to continue, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I'm not counting on it, but uh, you know, I, I look down that I am a fan of preaching sitting down. So it's a pleasure to sit in front of you and uh, offer a lesson from God's word. Um, Today, I'm taking a lesson from Daniel 7, um, but before we dive into Daniel 7, and I do want us to read it in its entirety, um, I want to look at a section from Daniel chapter 2 that I think is important to this discussion. Um, so let's read Daniel chapter 2, verses 31 through 45. Daniel chapter 2, verses 31 through 45. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, uh, the gold altogether were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory, and into whose hand he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of men, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. Another kingdom, inferior to you, shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that it that crushes, it shall break and crush all, the, all these. And as you saw, the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom, but some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with the soft clay. And the toes of the feet that were partly of iron and partly clay, so the kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with the soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation sure. Okay, so we see a few interesting things in Daniel um, that we don't see anywhere else in the Bible. Um, throughout the Old Testament, the coming Messiah is prophesied in many kingdom prophecies, but nowhere do we get uh, you know, the historic elements so clearly as Daniel. The prophecies are, in fact, so clear in Daniel that for years, 
Uh, it's been in the best interests of many to muddle them uh, or to write them off as later forgeries. But historians almost universally attest to the fact that Daniel was considered scripture by the Jews in the time of the Greeks. So if this book were a forgery, it would have to have been it would have to have appeared at it in around the same period. Um, and the odds of it gaining ex, uh, broad acceptance in such a short time are overwhelmingly slim. All the evidence, uh, to my mind, points to the book of Daniel being written exactly when it says it was written, which is during the uh, the late the days of the late Babylonian Empire and the early Persian Empire. So some keys to understanding Daniel chapter two before we dive into Daniel chapter seven. Um, Daniel, in interpreting uh, the uh, the king's dream through the power of God, lays out roughly uh, the next uh, 500 years of human history. Uh, this was a time where nations were increasing in their size. The Babylonian Empire uh, that Daniel lived under was considered enormous and, and, and frightful at the time. Uh, and so it would make sense that it's considered the head of gold. And then there's another kingdom coming, Daniel says. Uh, and it's will be uh, the the chest and arms of silver, the uh, the Persian Empire, and then after them a bronze empire that would rule the world. This is Greece, and then finally an even greater kingdom still, Rome, will rule the world partly strong and partly brittle. Daniel says in the days of that kingdom, God will establish a kingdom that would be like a mountain filling the whole earth. That mountain is our whole faith. But in this prophecy, we see the exact time of the coming Messiah, or at least a time frame, the time of the Roman Empire. And we even can see a glimpse of will fill the entire earth. Idea of a universalism there, uh, or a or a universal appeal rather. Um, like Daniel two. Okay, so I like Daniel two because. There is some overlap with Daniel chapter 7 in terms of meaning and the four nations. Uh, so if we understand that well, we can now dive into Daniel 7, and some of our understanding of Daniel 2 will also apply to that chapter. So let's look at Daniel chapter 7, and let's read it in its entirety. Daniel chapter 7. first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. Four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then as I looked, its wings were plucked off. And it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man, and the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one, like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth. And it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this, I looked, and behold, another, like a leopard, with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, 
there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. In this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. As I looked, thrones were placed. The Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and his hair and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A steam of fire issued and came out from before him. Thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed, and its body destroyed, and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man. He came to the Ancient of Days, and then he was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, and glory, and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. I approached one of those who stood concerning all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. These four great beasts are four kings who will arise out of the earth. The saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying, with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, and which devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet, and about the ten horns that were on its head and the other horn that came up before which three of them fell, the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things, and that seemed greater than its companions. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them, until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High. And the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, as for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it to pieces. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings shall arise, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones, and shall put down three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and shall think to change the times and the law. And they shall be given into his hand for the time, for a time, times, and half a time. But the court shall sit in judgment, and his dominion shall be taken away, to be consumed and destroyed in the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. Their kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and their dominions shall serve and obey him. Here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me, and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. All right. Remain in Daniel. We're going to stay in Daniel this whole time. Um, Daniel has a dream where he sees a series of beasts. Uh, and again, each one of these beasts is going to represent a kingdom, just like the stat, uh, you know, every section of the statue in Daniel chapter 2 uh, represented a kingdom. So 
to help you better visualize this, I got I found some uh, some pretty cool uh, representations of these beasts on the internet that I I want to show to you. He sees uh, these four beasts in succession. First one, a lion uh, with, with 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 wings, uh, representing the Babylonian Empire. Second, a um, a, a great bear with with uh, fangs in its mouth, representing the Persian Empire. A, uh, a leopard, again with 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 wings, uh, representing the Greek Empire, and finally um, a fourth beast, which is not described uh, in in human terms or, or in terms that are really comprehensible to humans. So I thought that this representation was interesting. Here he's uh, kind of a hulking mammoth type creature uh, with with the horns and uh, this terrifying huge upper body. Um, but it, really, uh, the only real descriptions that we get uh, of this fourth beast are the things that concern Daniel so much about this fourth beast. Um, you get the sense that Daniel can tell that this fourth beast is really important and kind of a key to the whole thing, um, but he can't really understand it. And so some notable features about the beast, this fourth beast that makes it distinctive, uh, it is uh, terrifying and dreadful, exceedingly strong. It has iron teeth, and it has tin horns. Um, and there is this uh, a new horn that pops up, and three of the other horns bow to it, and Daniel can't really figure that out. And I'll be honest with you, I've, I've read a lot, and there are a lot of theories about this. I can't really figure it out either, uh, so I'm not going to get into it in, in this lesson. It, it, it involves um, oh, calculating uh, kings and uh, surprisingly heated debate about whether or not we include Julius Caesar as a king. And uh, however you, you, you formulate these 10 kings, um, it, uh, it, it doesn't really change the overall meaning of the passage. So I don't want to get too deep into that. What I do want to get into, though, is this idea of the Ancient of Days. Now, what did that mean to the audience when it was written to? Well, to Jews, uh, you know, the Ancient of Days was God. You know, we can assume that that is the meaning, but this is a particular way of, en of envisioning God. This is the idea that uh, God is one who precedes time, that he is older than time, the origin of time, and time is contained within him. The Ancient of Days, um, in Daniel's vision, comes and sits in glory on his throne of flame, arrayed in white, um, and there is a multitude there with him. And God sits in judgment of these four kings that have been uh, paraded in front of Daniel in the form of these beasts. But it's significant that we're told that the fourth kingdom, the Roman kingdom, will be destroyed completely um, and die, while the other kingdom's dominion will be taken away and they will be allowed to live on for an appointed time. If you look at the historical record, uh, that's true. Um, when Rome fell, it fell never to rise again. Now, obviously, there, there's still a city called Rome, but what you have to understand is that the Roman domination of, of the known world at the time was uh, organized behind this bureaucracy of the city of Rome. Rome began as a city-state and then grew out into an empire. Um, Italy, the way we think of it today, was not a country uh, in the sense of a nation-state at the time. It was all organized behind the city of Rome. So even though many nations since the Roman Empire have tried to claim the name uh, of Rome, uh, it's uh, it has never again uh, seen the power that it that it held. Uh, that that system of government was 
pretty much completely destroyed uh, at, at the time that it fell. But the other countries, the passage says, uh, will be their dominion will be taken away, but they will be uh, you know allowed to live on for an appointed time. These other countries, uh, Greece, Persia, Babylon. Um, well, where where is Greece on a map now? Um, it's the same place now, essentially, that it was then. Um, and the nations that were then known as Persia and Babylon um, never really ceased to be. They, they've just taken on uh, new names and sort of morphed uh, through history. So we now call these countries Iran and Iraq instead of Persia and Babylon. Um, but Rome would never again exert anything like the uh, power of the empire at its height. So Daniel's concerned about this fourth dream. He goes to a friend um, or, or, or one standing there. We don't, the, the meaning of that is not totally clear, but this person tells him the meaning of the dream in short, which is that God will judge and that God's people will win. But Daniel's still hung up. There's some specific things that he once interpreted about the fourth beast. Um, so, these things are cleared up for him. He's told that the fourth kingdom um, <clears throat> is going to be unlike anything ever seen before on the earth. And if you know much about the Roman Empire, you know that that is true. Again, this was a time when nation states uh, were, 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 were growing their size, and Rome was certainly the most terrifying uh, military and political power that could have been conceivable at the time of the writing of Daniel. There will be ten kings, and the last king will push aside three others, the last king in this series, that is. And he will be against the people of God. He will persecute them to give him time, and he will be destroyed in the end. There's another finally important element that we need to discuss about this vision, which is that Daniel sees in this vision that it's during this time that this last, uh, the time of this last kingdom that the Son of Man will be given dominion. Um, one like the Son of Man is the phrase used. He's given dominion by God, and all the nations of the earth shall serve him. Uh, so this Son of Man, his dominion is everlasting, Daniel tells us, and his kingdom will not be destroyed. There is a sense in which there have been many earthly kingdoms since Rome. Um, but there's also a sense in which all of those kingdoms are under the shadow of a new, great spiritual kingdom, uh, one with a call to all the nations of the world. And pay special attention to the phrase, one like the Son of Man, and think about how revolutionary that idea is. This is a divine savior we're talking about, one sent from the throne of God, the Ancient of Days. And yet, when he comes in Daniel's vision, he takes the form of a man. It's actually the most vague possible description of a human male, one like the Son of Man. He could be anyone in that description. And we know that it's partly for that reason that when the Son of Man did come, the ones who should have received him didn't recognize him. So the idea that a human man, any type of man, bridge the gap between humanity's sin and God's goodness. That's radical talk. That's the kind of talk that might have gotten the prophets killed. But the past aside, think about this spiritual reality. God's son could have come in any form. He came as one of us, 
leaving the glories of heaven to walk in this crooked world. So that's been a quick rundown of Daniel chapter 7. And you might be sitting there saying, well, that's all really cool, Paul, but what does this mean for all of us? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, there's some major applications here, and I find this to be one of the most encouraging um, passages to look at. Prophecy generally. Um, I think we we uh, we give uh, prophecy uh, too little attention a lot of times. I think there's some really important takeaways for us. First of all, the time, place, and scope of the kingdom is prophesied centuries before the fact. And let's stop and think about how significant that is. There have been many prophecies over the course of human history, uh, some false, uh, some true that we see recorded uh, in the scriptures. Um, but the Bible is the only book of prophecy that ever calls its own shot from 500 years out. I want you to think about what that means, too. What if I told you uh, that uh, America would very shortly not be a country? that what we used to know as America would become a different country, and that that would exist for some time. And then there would be another country that would rise in its place. And then that there would be another country that would rise in its place. So we're going three major powers out from the existence of the United States of America. And then I said to you, during that time, something very specific is going to happen. That would be an impossible prophecy. But that is the prophecy that we get in the book of Daniel. Secondly, we see that God is in control of the times and places of the powers of this world and that they serve him, not the other way around. This is something that's essentially important for us to remember during times like this. This is certainly a troubled time with us not being able to meet with one another. This crisis that we're currently experiencing, as painful as it may be, will be used to the glory of God. Now, don't ask me how. Don't ask me, don't ask me for specifics. All I know is that every event, no matter how horrific uh, and tragic, is used for God's glory and is a part of God's purpose, including this one. Thirdly, Jesus was that force that broke apart the kingdoms of the world. He was that rock not cut out by human hands that came in and smashed apart the statue in Daniel chapter 2, which became a mountain that filled the entire earth. The world's never been the same since. We, we it, you know, in a sense, Christ was, was the first and only real revolution. It, it changed everything. Live in the glorious wake of his coming. The schemes of man have come to naught. The glory of God is being fulfilled in every possible way. Every uh, paradigm, every pattern of thought, every uh, convention uh, and, uh, and spiritual uh, wisdom of the day was undermined by Jesus and subverted by Jesus. Uh, to bring people closer to righteousness and closer to God. He changed the status quo forever. And Jesus ushered in a kingdom that we are citizens of, which calls to the whole world, not just a specified group. 
People of all nations are called to be his children. And he turns away none who come to him in faith to make a covenant with him. And here we get the first inkling of that. It's a mountain that fills the whole earth. And in Daniel chapter 7, all the nations of the earth are under the dominion of the Son of Man. And finally, speaking of that dominion, of that kingdom, we are a part of an unshakable kingdom, a kingdom that's history and victory has already been written. You know, people don't, people, it really bugs people when you spoil TV shows for them. Um, and uh, I understand that because it's no fun to watch a TV show after, you know, you've had a major plot point spoiled. But uh, man, have I got a spoiler for you guys. Um, I know the ending of the story of us, story of the Christian sojourn through this fallen world. And the ending is we win. More specifically, God wins, and all we who are his share in his glorious victory. That's Daniel 7. That is the Savior that we believe in. That is the God who provided him. It's a, a faith-building passage for me, and I hope it's been a faith-building study for you. Um, I don't have a uh, an easy segue into a traditional invitation, but I would like to say that this is a really precious thing uh, that, that that we have. We studied Ephesians this morning, uh, where we where we are the the uh, center of our focus is the church. Um, Mike's lesson this morning about prayer, our relationship with God. Um, and this big picture of the prophecy, the fulfillment, and what it is that we are a part of, it should bring us all to uh, a desire to know God better, to grow closer to God. And there may be some you know, uh, listening here who are not Christians, uh, are not followers of God. And uh, if, if you're listening, uh, I hope you keep seeking. I hope you keep learning. And I would ask you that if you have any questions, please uh, come to one of us. Um, make, make, make your questions known. We'd be happy to study with you um, and try to, to, uh, to show you the truth as we understand it from the Bible. If anyone has any need, please, I encourage you to make it known. Um, if you have spiritual needs, now is the time to tell them. I, I know that it's a difficult time, but uh, we can get through it with the help of each other. And it helps to remember what a strong rock, a rock cut out with no human hand, which becomes a great mountain filling the whole earth. That is the rock on which our faith is built. Thank you for your attention.